Psalm 9 says, The Lord also will be a refuge and a stronghold for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble, and those who know your name will put their confident trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not abandoned those who seek you. Seeking you this morning, Lord, to do it again. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall, but you have never failed me yet. Do it again, you may. 
everyone. My name is uh, Pastor Dave. I'm the campus pastor here at our Boca Raton campus. Or as uh, some of the children as I was walking up this morning said, that's the donut guy. So I'll go by either either Pastor Dave or donut guy. I'll answer to both. I'm reading uh, this morning from uh, Matthew chapter 20 and I'm reading verses 20 through 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons And kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom they have been prepared by my father. When the tent heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Well, this morning, we're continuing a series that we've been on. If you're you're here visiting with us, we have kind of a motto or a slogan here at Advent, and it's, love is why we're here. See, we believe that the first part of this journey or our relationship with God is understanding how desperately God loves you. 
God loves you so much. He sent his son Jesus ultimately to give his life for you, to reconcile us to himself. And so when we understand that love, um, then we kind of have this obligation to each other to share love with each other, to love one another. In fact, the Bible is filled with all these statements of how we're to love one another, to pray for one another, to encourage one another. There's like 63 of them in the Bible. So that's clearly something that's very important to the heart of God, and it should be what we're all about. And Advent, you you all do a great job as, as a church at doing that. And then we also believe that we are on a mission to share the love of Christ with the world. And so we've been, in the midst of this series, we've been looking at all of the different things that we're called to do to share the love of God with the world. And so this morning, as we talk about love is why we're here, we're going to be looking at love is why we serve. Love is why we're called to serve each other, to serve the church, to serve the world, ultimately. And I want to start off by looking at the passage of Scripture we just read, right? Because I, I think this is, this is perfect, right? We have a lot of parents here today, right? How many of you parents would like great things for your kids, right? All of us, right? And, we, and we, we, we love our kids. We like to talk about our kids and the, the great things that they've achieved, right? And you know that we have bumper stickers on the back of our car. My, my child is an honor student. Or if your child is not quite as bright, we honor all of our students. I have, I have some of each in, in, my, in my flock, right? Or if your child's really not bright, you, you have the, my kid beat up your honor student, Right, but we, we love our kids and we want the best for them and, and that's going on in this passage. This is, I love this, right? Cause here's a mom. It says the mom of James and John, right? James and John are, are two of Jesus' disciples. They were fishermen and now they're working for Jesus. And so their mom brings them to Jesus. She's got probably one around each arm. So look at my boys and they're walking and she goes up to Jesus and she says, Jesus, when you go up to heaven, I want James and John to be on your right side and your left side. Now, we, to understand what this means, we have to understand a little bit about Jewish culture because um, those were the most esteemed positions. So like if you came to a dinner party and they, you were around a table, the person at the right and left of the host were the two most valuable people, the most important people. And then the closer you were to the host, the more important you were. So if you weren't very important at all, you might not even make it around the table. You might just be sitting on the floor. I mean, seriously, they would really actually have that. They'd have these big, you know, gatherings, and, and that's what would go on. And so, so here comes this mom, and she's like, I want my boys to be the most important. I want them to have the best position. And this is great because um, James and John are, are clearly with her because Jesus says, can you, can you drink the cup that I drink? And the answer is not the mom saying, well, of course my boys can do anything. James and John say, we can. They answer right there in the text. So we know that they're with their mom. In fact, who knows? They might have been the ones. They might have said, mommy, can you get me the good spot with Jesus? We can't ask, but you can. Right? So we don't really know exactly the story, but in this context... She comes and she, she makes this request. And when Jesus says, can you drink from this cup? What, what is actually, what he is actually saying is he's, 
He's been warning the disciples and telling them, listen, I'm about to die for you. But they were a little slow. They didn't quite get it. And so when he says, can you drink from this cup? He's actually saying, are you willing to give up your life? Because that's what I'm about to do. And they don't really realize it, but when they say, yes, we can, they're actually correct. Because ultimately, James does end up giving his life up for the gospel. He ends up being martyred. And John gives his life up too. He ends up being arrested and exiled to the island of Patmos. Side note, if you're going to go to jail, get sent to an island. I mean, that's the way to go. But they, they give up their lives. They do drink this cup. And of course, the other disciples are upset. They're like, why would you ask this? That's not fair. We want those spots, right? And then Jesus, he takes this whole concept, just like he took the religion of the day and he turned it on its head. He says, listen, religion's not about how good you can be or how many rules you can follow. It's about knowing and embracing the grace and love that God has to offer. And so Jesus takes this whole concept of the importance of position, he turns it on its head. See, Jesus says the best position you can have is to be a servant. Right? That's counterintuitive. None of us as parents want for our kids and we think, man, I really hope my kid grows up to be a servant. Right? But Jesus is saying that's the best position you can possibly have. In fact, by example, Jesus is a servant leader, right? He does things like when the disciples are coming in to this gathering, what does he do? He does the thing that the servant would do. He stands at the door, he gets on his knees, and he cleans their feet as they come in. Something that the servant of the household was typically assigned to do. So Jesus says, listen, I don't want you to try to strive for the best or the highest position. I want you to see how you can give yourself away. How you can be a servant of others. And Jesus also, he saw service as kind of an outward sign of what's actually going on in our hearts. Look at this passage with me, if you will. This is in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So, Right? Our natural default setting as humans is selfishness. Any of you that are parents know this very well, right? What's one of the first things a toddler does? They say, mine. Shortly followed by no. Right? Kids learn that we, we don't have to be taught selfishness. We're all born with selfishness. We have to be taught to share. To give. To serve. So Jesus says, listen, take that idea, have nothing to do with selfishness, but in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you look to the interests of others. Can you imagine how different our world would be if everyone did that? Imagine for a moment. Imagine how much more pleasant it would be to drive on I-95 if everyone was not looking to their own interests, but to the interests of others. When someone put their turn signal on, you wouldn't speed up to get in front of them. You'd be like, oh, but of course. 
anything I can do, right? And Jesus is taking this natural system of our own selfishness. He's saying, don't, don't look to your own interests. Look to the interests of others. And your relationships with one another have the same mind of Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Let me unpack that really quickly and simply. Jesus is God, all-powerful, on a throne in heaven, Deserves nothing other than to be worshipped and praised. And he says, you know what? I love these people, my people, so much. I'm going to become one of them. I'm going to come down to earth. I'm going to live a humble life. Not a life as a king or a ruler. I'm going to live a humble life born in a manger. The same struggles that everyone in life goes through. And then after I've lived this 33 years of a perfect, sinless life on earth, I'm going to die for these people. Take their sins upon myself, pay the penalty that they deserve to pay, so that they can have a relationship with me for all of eternity. That's the attitude that Jesus says we should mimic. I'm not saying we should go out and die for each other, but we should live for each other. We should look for ways that we can have this attitude that Jesus has and serve each other. When Jesus was about to die, he says something that didn't make sense to the disciples. He said, listen, when I die, it's going to be better for you because I'm going to give you the helper. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. And last week, if you were with us, we talked about how when God gave us this, the Holy Spirit, we got the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Things that God does in our lives. And when we have those, our lives are better. But God also gave us more than that. He gave us the gifts of the Spirit so that Each and every one of us is gifted and created uniquely in a special way. In Ephesians, the way it says is that we're God's workmanship, a better translation from the Greek that it was written in is you're God's masterpiece. God created and designed you exactly the way he did so that we could serve each other. And Romans 12 talks a little bit about this, starting in verse 3. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God's distributed to each of you. For just as we all have one body with many members or many parts, these members don't all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If your, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully, Right? And so God has created you specifically the way he's created you and gifted you so that when 
you use your gifts, when we all come together as a church body and all use our gifts, the church functions perfectly. I believe fully that God puts at each local church, I'm not talking about the church universal, at each local church, he puts the people that he needs to accomplish the work of ministry. It's not meant for for one or a few people to do the work, right? It's meant for everyone to use their gifts. Because when everyone uses the gifts, that's when the church really functions well. I, I love to teach and preach. And some of you might say, well, Pastor Dave, that's good for you. you maybe you don't have a gift at that, all right? I, I hope that I do, because that's what I get to do. But I also love to sing. And I promise you, I know I do not have a gift at that, right? Like, I, if Julie would let me, I would come up here and help lead worship, right? And, and I know that Julie loves this because she tells me that she loves my enthusiasm and volume. Every now and then I'm singing up here and, and I, she, I distract her because I'm so loud. I really do. I love to sing. But you would not love it if I was the worship leader here, I promise you. Notes go in all random different directions. No one knows where they came from. There's not necessarily a tune that's being followed. It's just pure heart. That's all that's going out there, right? And so we all have different gifts. We all have different abilities God has given us. And when we all use those gifts together, that's when the church functions well. You see, what happens is when we serve, it helps the church to be the very best it can be. When everyone is pitching in and doing their job, it helps the church be the very best it can be. I got a little bit of a... um, a surprise this morning. I was out in the courtyard and I saw a longtime friend of mine, uh, Jimmy Gross here. He's, he's a grandfather now, so I, I can call him old, right? And that's fun for me. And so he's here, you know, cheering on his, his granddaughter this morning. And I remember, you know, Jimmy impacting my life by being a youth pastor. God gave Jimmy like eternal immaturity. It's perfect for youth ministry, right, Jimmy? Eternal immaturity. Not all of us have that. Brock Erickson has it too. He could have been a youth pastor. He decided to be a chiropractor. I don't know. Maybe it was the right choice. Maybe not. Right? But some of us don't have that. Right? Some of us don't have that gift. God gives us all different gifts. And when we all serve in the, in the capacities that God calls us to, the church works amazingly. I grew up at... Um, Right here in Boca at Spanish River Church. And when I was a kid, I remember one of the original elders. Spanish River started about the same time Advent did. I don't know the exact year, but approximately the same time. Bill Giggy, you were around. You probably know. Where's Bill? Probably about the same time, right? Yeah. All right. And so these, these churches, they started about the same time. One of the original elders, there was a man named Russell Douglas. And going back several years, um, I was called actually to pastor at Spanish River. And so I was, I was there for a while at Spanish River Church, the church I grew up at. And, and every day, Russell Douglas would show up to work. He didn't work at Spanish River Church. In fact, by those, by that time, he was probably, I don't know, at least 80 years old. And so every year, every day, Russell would show up and he wore like, it looked like a zookeeper outfit. It was all khaki. I don't know if he had a lot of them or he just wore the same thing every day, but it was like the little khaki zookeeper shorts, like Steve Irwin. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? 
and like a, a khaki vest and some sort of long sleeve shirt underneath. And every day, this 80 year old guy would go out and he would just walk the grounds of the property every single day and just clean up and fix anything he saw every day, faithfully. And I grabbed him and I said, Russell, why, why do you do this? You know, you're retired. You're supposed to be like playing golf or something. And he said, this is the gift that God has given me to serve with. And when I do this, it makes the church the best that it can be. And I thought, man, what a great message that he's teaching. Not with words. Russell didn't have that gift necessarily. But with his life, he's teaching and showing another generation, many other generations. You live long enough, you get to teach a lot of people. The example of serving. And God has called each and every one of us to use the gifts he's given us to serve. And when we all do, the church becomes this beautiful force. Imagine if we all were doing the, using the gifts the way God has given us together. What a powerful force that might be. But serving doesn't just help the church be the best that it can be. Serving also helps you to be the best that you can be. I think I learned this lesson um, best on the first mission trip that I led. I was, I was uh, 19 years old and I was um, working. Young guy, really didn't really know what I was doing. I was helping lead this missions trip to Jamaica. And so we get to Jamaica and I've got this idea in my head of all this amazing work we're going to do and we're, we're helping to build this church and, and we're going to do this and that. And we get there and we're, we're trying to help build a church and we realize like none of us know what we're doing. Like we, we didn't think, hey, maybe we should bring like a construction guy with us or something. Bob the Builder or someone, you know? And we're just there and we're, and we're and, you know, we're willing and we're doing what we can, but we really didn't accomplish a lot there. And I remember, um, it, this actually was one of my very first sermons I ever got to preach. And, and so I was going to get to preach in the church there. And I got up and I had prepared this, this sermon and, and I was excited to give this sermon. You know, I was talking about the rich young ruler, which is a parable that Jesus had taught. And I, I was so excited to give this sermon. I got there and, um, first of all, if you ever done church in Jamaica, it's, you don't have to get there on time. Cause I was, I was five minutes late and only the pastor was there. Um, but finally, you know, the congregation walks in and I look around and there's like maybe a hundred and maybe 200 people, 198 women and two men. And I'm looking around and so God puts it on my heart. So I start, I start preaching a sermon about the lack of male leadership in the church as only a dumb 19 year old will do because there's, there's two men there and those poor guys are getting all the women saying, mm hmm. I got amens, but no one who needed that message heard it, right? Because they were home doing whatever. <laughs> and so, you know, what we accomplished was probably very little. But I'll never forget how much that trip meant to me. I went down there and had this opportunity to serve, and God grew me and taught me and worked in my life so much through that experience. 
And you see, that's what happens when we take this love that God has given us and we begin to share it with other people. When we use the gifts that God has given us and we begin serving, we serve each other, we serve our church, we serve our community. And what happens is, I, I promise you on this, you receive more than you could ever give. God does a work in our own hearts and we end up receiving when we serve more than we could ever give. So I just want to encourage you. Love is why we're here. Take that love that God has blessed each and every one of us with and share it. Share it with one another. Share it with the world. Love is why we serve. Amen. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, I just, uh, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can learn from your example, Jesus. We find out that you, the, the person in this world most worthy of receiving glory, receiving honor and praise, the person in all of history who has existed, who most deserved to be served you said no I came to serve others Father God may we all follow in that incredible example give us the strength to do that your precious holy name we pray amen we're going to sing the creation song we're going to start by counting from one to seven and moving our arms like this you ready let's go one two three four five six seven one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. On day number one, God made light. He made the day and he made the night. On day number two, God made the sky. It's big and blue and way up high. Ooh. You say, whoa. Whoa. Day number three. On day number three, God made the sea. He made the land, every plant and tree. On day Stars he put the sun in the sky, super duper far. Whoa. Sing out those woes. Sing God made you. and cubs all for us to hug you hear those wolves sing day number six on day number six god also made man he said it was good and part of his plan on day number seven god stopped to rest he saw what he made it was his best to sing out those wolves
ocean The wind and the rhythm of the rain Oh, the thunder, it speaks of your power But there's something in the sound of the saints I've been washed in the roar of the ocean Found peace in the echoes of a cave In the trees of the field they clap their hands But there's something in the sound of the saints From the lips of those you saved Our redemption song will with a sound so full it cracks the sky Oh, oh, oh we sing hallelujah oh, 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 we sing amen In the sound of the saints as we march up the sign Singing hallelujah, amen Singing hallelujah, amen I will hear the chorus angels forever a symphony of praise I long hear the voice of my Savior and he hears us the sound of the saints from the lips of those you see our redemption song will rise every tongue, every tribe hear the church your bride oh, oh, we sing hallelujah Oh, we sing amen In the sound of the saints as we march into Zion Singing hallelujah, amen Singing hallelujah, Share his love with the world.